Hi, I'm Ken. This is Arbitrarily Deterministic on KeithFM.com, the show where we talk to the people who blur the lines between art, technology, and popular culture. On this show, I tend to talk to people who I want to talk to. Maybe you want to listen to them, which is pretty cool whenever you do. And we sometimes talk about things that are uh, NFTs. NFTs are financialized products on the blockchain, which allow you to prove ownership of various things, artwork included. Today is actually the last episode of season two of this show. Oh, and I forgot the part where everything that we're going to talk about is going to be not financial advice. And so don't, don't, uh, don't take it as financial advice. It just is what it is. Um, today is the last show of season two, and I've got a member of one of the coolest platforms on the web team here. He's a great artist in his own right. He's been involved in the platform from the beginning and has made such classics as the Particulate Hash, Phonics. I'm going to let him talk to you about those projects. In fact, we'll ask him some of those questions. Today, I've got Liam Egan on the show. Hi, Liam. Hi there. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you. Good. So, Liam, why do I have you on the show? Um, I don't know. You lost a bet. Guess. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> How'd you guess? <laughs> no, seriously. What's the deal? What do you do? Um, so uh, I guess a brief history. I well, right now I'm I'm sort of um working in the capacity of um dealing with a little bit of product management um for uh FX Hash, which has been such a great opportunity it's been uh, really enjoyable working in that capacity uh unfortunately the last couple of months i've been really busy at my day job as well so my my time split has been uh, a bit difficult but um historically uh i got started obviously on fx hash as an artist way back in october of 2021 uh and you know got involved in the in the community on discord and and helping people out where i could and answering questions and and whatever and uh it it as the popularity of the platform grew of course malicious actors on it uh also increased <laughs> and yeah uh, <laughs> having been involved in generative art communities for a long time um i i just happened to be reasonably good at spotting those things and mm -hmm. so uh you know, I, I started doing that more and more often, and, and that sort of grew into kind of a moderation role at, at uh, FX Hash. So. Okay. So, because, like, yeah. I, I know that you are always in, like, you're kind of one of the main answers in scam reports. Um, mm -hmm. And so that and that's just because you, can, you know if you've seen this project or... Uh, originally, yeah. So, speaking sort of historically, there were... Way back at the beginning, there were a lot of projects from CodePen, mm -hmm. particularly on on uh, FX Hash, and uh, I've been involved in that community for a long time, and and so I I was able to spot those really quickly. And then beyond that, um, a part of my day job has always been code review. So, 
um, you know, I, I started digging into people's code and started spotting signatures and uh, was able to sort of easily or more easily perhaps find the source of various copy minted projects. Um, so yeah, that, you know, all of these sort of skill sets that I've been developing over the last, you know, 20 years of my career sort of found purchase in, in moderating this stuff at, on FX hash. And you find that it's, it's a pretty, you do it every day, huh? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning, in fact, it's, it's like seven 30 here right now. I've been awake uh, for an hour. One of the first things I do in the morning is like pick up my phone and check out scam reports <laughs> <laughs> and see what people are saying. Hey, this is a scam. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, I mean, I know I've written you directly about a pro about some stuff, you know, that I've seen. Mm -hmm. And recently I've seen some more and I'm kind of in this weird weird place about this because sometimes I communicate with people and I'm a little bit like skeptical of their attitude. So it's nice to know that I can actually send and have somebody take a look at the work and see if they've seen it somewhere else. You know, even though I look at a lot myself and I've been involved in these things for a long time, I'm also, I'm not involved in the gen art community as long as a lot of you guys have been. And so you see sort of these things, but you know, it's cool. It's cool to have that as a resource. So you've been in, involved in gen art, like creative coding for how many years? Uh, I, I got my start uh, back in like 99 working for an internet advertising agency way back in the dot-com boom. Yeah. Uh, and there I started as a, um, as a sort of ad manager, yeah. um, which is just somebody who sort of plays with weights on uh, online advertising. Uh, but very quickly they got involved in research and development at that company. It was a, like actually a big dot-com company, but um yeah that sort of started my career in creative coding because a lot of that was about you know how to make cooler ads that people would engage with and um you know from there it was just i i think like you i sort of kept just falling into these roles that just made a lot of sense to me and uh that i really loved and enjoyed and you know it's just been it's been a trip since then for sure mm -hmm. and if it, like if somebody walked up to you today and said here's a hundred thousand dollars for the rest of your life a year to make art just to do that yeah. would you would you do that would you take that or would it be too much for you it'd be too much for me i i i love all the other aspects of my job and i i love making art but i i couldn't I don't think I could do it full time. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's too hard for me. Uh -huh. I've seen, you know what? I, I've heard that like a few people I've talked to in the, in, on the show here and in personal, in my personal life, they say things like there's no possibility. I would, I would, I would lose myself cause I need direction elsewhere in other ways, et cetera. And I need other kinds of stimulus in some ways, you know, to, to, to make me feel comfortable with that like personally if somebody were to walk up to me and tell me here's a hundred thousand dollars to just draw for every you know <laughs> for the rest of my life i would just draw i would just say thank you very much i really appreciate that and no one would ever hear from me <laughs> except for just to see a drawing that would pop up here and there i mean actually i don't know if that's true i, I i'm also kind of a little bit scatterbrained and have to do a hundred things to keep me, uh -huh. me floating but uh -huh. but but i don't know i mean, I mean uh, uh, one thing i really love doing that i couldn't let go is is teaching right like i uh in my day job i've got a team of programmers that i help discover new things and new ideas and new ways of working and uh on fx hash as well i help out sort of some of the like up and coming and you know helping out people with with problems that they have and 
it's always so enriching to me to to see people have this sort of light bulb moment when they realize when you sort of lead them to a solution lead them to an understanding about something it's uh it's such a a fundamental part of 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 my being so do you seek them out or they come to you in like in, in to to get that because i i i know you came in last minute somehow and and fixed holons for with them and i know that that was them seeking you out but in other situations do you do it the other way as well or uh yeah very much so so i mean there's a, there's obviously the um creator support channels on fx hash and that's a that's just a really good source of finding people who might have problems with whatever um and generally i i try to you know help people towards a solution and whether that's saying have you thought of doing it this way or whether that's you know saying have you thought about the problem in this way uh, it's it it happens both ways for sure do you do you yeah. push aesthetic things or is it mostly just code stuff mostly just code stuff uh -huh. and i mean if yeah. you when when given the opportunity to when 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 asked hey man do you think i should make a straight line or a curved line here what do you, you know do, do you answer it's it's tough. I, I I tend to I tend to try and steer away from the um, aesthetic decisions because I don't I I actually don't think my opinion is worth all that much in the aesthetic realm. Really? Um, well, only because who am I who am I to tell another artist what they should be doing aesthetically? Right? Like every all of us have our own sort of approach to the generation of aesthetic principles uh and i think those are really important to us and for me to impose my opinions in that realm on other people is is i think unfair to them mm. but what if they need that i think there are people that are better suited to that okay <laughs> fair uh, enough you know like aj is is really great yeah. at that he's he's an incredible art director yeah. and he's really good at sort of sitting down with people and saying you know similarly to the way that i do it technically i think he sort of sits down with them and says have you thought of these things and and sort of leads them in those aesthetic directions probably in a much gentler way than i ever could but yeah. also in in a much more informed way for sure yeah for sure adam's a really Adam's incredible at that. I mean, Adam's a great, he's, yeah. he's a force too. He's somebody who just can't sit still. Right. So hundred uh, percent. Yeah. He's just got to keep, got to keep out there doing that stuff. And when you're making your own things, like you did these, you did this, you did that piece where you're like in the mosh pit or you're like in the stands where you're either inside of it or away from it. Like that piece was really fascinating to me, how you kind of built that around it. What was, talk to me a little bit about that. I forget what that one was called. I forgot what you called that. Sorry, which one was that? Oh, is that the particle system coalesce? Yeah, coalesce. That's it. Um, yeah. I'm, and talk to me about that piece because that one was a fascinating piece to me. Because you have like when you get really close and you're all in it and there's all those particles around you, the the feature is in the mosh pit, <laughs> and then when you're away, <laughs> you're like you're in the stands. You know. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was trying to. I. I so uh, there's an old adage that there are two difficult things in computer science, and one of them is naming things. I'm terrible at naming my yeah. features. So I get to that point in the development process, I'm like, what am I going to call this? And uh, that sort of made sense to me. I, I've I've been a, a mosh pit kid for a long time, so uh, mm -hmm. it was, it was so, good. So that's but where you came I, with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that piece, I mean, I've always loved particle systems. Like, it's it's always been something that that's fascinated me to work with and um those pieces 
really were just sort of studies in in the development of particle systems. Both coalesce and Rolex were were sort of similar in that oh, respect, so just using yeah. different principles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the piece you did with Aussie, yes, uh, Razigo, yeah, um, yeah. So Razigo was a lot of fun. I I had so much fun putting that together, and it it had actually been a thought process for quite a long time. So um, what it's using is sort of, um, you know, celestial body al um, gravity algorithms, right? So it's kind of drawing this line from a body sort of moving towards another series of bodies and spinning around them and, and sort of disappearing, uh, and then drawing polygons through that path and using sort of different principles. Um, and I wanted a plottable piece for that. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted it to use um, sort of these these um, big chunky polygons that would would kind of interfere with each other and and occlude each other and uh, I don't know it was just it was just an enjoyable How play. Did, with what was Ozzy's involvement in that? Uh, so Ozzy, uh, so it went back to. Uh, Ozzy approached me about putting together a piece uh, as a fundraiser for um, some friends of his that were raising money for art schools in South Africa. Uh -huh. um, so we went back and forth on that for quite some time, figuring out what we wanted to do. Uh, and, you know, I've got, I've got a ton of studies from like the last 10 years and I was just sort of throwing things at him and we were going back and forth. Um, but, he, you know, he was he was so intrinsic to that process in the sense that, you know, he he was my curator through that that the the development of that piece, um, and you know he was the person that would um, ask me whether what I was doing was a good idea, and yeah, uh, it's it those are opinions that I really value in that process, right? Somebody who can actually sit back and say, nah, it doesn't look very good. Yeah, right? I get. I get carried away with my with my algorithms sometimes, and uh, you know it it can lead me down some some pretty bad paths. Sure, because you're watching it change and go, and then you're like, oh, that's actually really fascinating how it does that there now. You know, I've I've I've, I'm, exactly. I've seen I've seen how this happens, and I've talked to people about that in the past too, where they're just like, oh man, uh -huh. it was real cool, and then it was just badass because it blew everything up but the work that you saw was just a blow up you had no idea what it was real cool before you know what i mean so that's it yeah, that's it it's kind of how it goes so you're i have made a promise you have to now you have to you have to do it now so i need your top 50 drinks in order <laughs> <laughs> so no. i can give you maybe 10 <laughs> no, fuck, i'm just kidding what's your what's your go-to at the end of the night like what is it that you would actually like if you, when you do sit down and have a drink uh, so my go-to is probably just a gin and tonic. Uh -huh. I, I love a good gin and tonic. Yeah. Um, if I recall, you know, you've I, posted a picture of like a hundred bottles or something you have in your house. Yeah, I have a lot of gin. <laughs> uh, I, I tend to collect gin and whiskey. So uh -huh. yeah, <laughs> I did too. And then I opened uh, the bar. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I, you know, I feel like that's, that's sort of the progression of that. There's a, there's a threshold that you reach and you're like, why don't I just open a bar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's it so you mostly but do you mix do you mix drinks whenever you get home i mean sometimes are you like into the idea of making cocktails and this kind of oh stuff yeah no you... i 
cocktails are, are totally a weekend thing. So I, uh -huh. you know, I, I tend because my days are reasonably long. I tend not to drink so much during the week. I, I used to be able to do that and then I got old and uh, yeah. can no longer do that quite as effectively as I used to. But uh, yeah, no, I, I love a good mixed drink, right? Uh -huh. um, you know, my, my favorite sort of cocktail at the moment, I guess, is probably a last word. Oh yeah. Such a good cocktail. Such a wild cocktail. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever, have you ever yeah. had a paper plane, which is kind of like a riff on that, yeah. that same idea. Yeah. Paper plane. It's great for sure. Yeah. Those are, yeah. I mean, I guess they're kind of like, they're not really, but they kind of have a similarity, I guess, in that they're using those for sure. Amaros and, and bitters. And yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, yeah. for those of you that have never had a, a, a last word, it is, yeah, it's the last thing you should drink because your palate's wrecked after. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is, for sure. You can't like have that and then try to go to something really fine. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. work out for you. It but, doesn't work at all. Yeah. Uh, and so you keep everything bottle, tastes thin after that. Do you keep a bottle of chartreuse in your house or I do. Yeah, no, I've got um I actually have three bottles of chartreuse here at the moment. I've got the green, the yellow, and the um VSOP. Oh wow, that's expensive yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's it's amazing stuff though. It's yeah. like so good. Yeah, yeah, it's super tasty. You know, the green is really yeah. difficult to get these days. We can get yellow pretty easily, but is it really? Yeah, it's becoming ah, okay. more somehow scarce. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Same thing with like, I don't know. I mean, here in Europe, it's really difficult for us to get good bourbons these days. And now with Brexit, it's right. even, it's even costing us a lot to get good scotches. So it's kind of yeah. changing. It's changing the way we For buy sure. stuff, you know, and it's changing how things yeah. happen. And inflation, let's just blame it on that. Yeah. Bi Goddamn Biden, he did it to us. That's <laughs> one of the things. One of the things that I loved about moving to North America was was access to all of these amazing bourbons. Like bourbons and rye whiskeys here are just so good, especially in Canada. The rye, yeah, they're really yeah. fantastic. I'm I've always um, wondered about that. Germany produces a lot of rye, and Okay. They, they cannot make a, a, a rye whiskey. They have like loads of huh? rye. I mean, it's just fields of it. And a lot of places actually use German rye for stuff. But all yeah. the rye whiskeys that come out of here are terrible. <laughs> and there was one group that kind of kind of was really close. And then it just... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Because <laughs> they, they use it for just sort of straight up white spirits, right? Yeah. Like it, it's called corn. It uses a base for all of that. Yeah, yeah. And German corn is trash. Yeah. Back to the stuff that actually <laughs> uh back to the stuff that actually matters. <laughs> so like when when you were when you first heard about FX hash, what went through your head? Like what was what were you thinking about? How did you find out about it and how did you get to the point where you were like I want to mod this and I want to be involved in this? Like how did what, walk me through that? So there's there's a couple of moments that that uh, kind of makes sense there. So I'd, I'd obviously heard about art blocks and I'd looked into that quite a bit. Um, but I was, I became active in this scene on on Tezos on on uh, Hicket Nook, mm -hmm. um, and I spent a little bit of time generating artwork there. Uh, and then I saw a retweet by somebody I knew from um, Sifford uh, about FX Hash and you know about that he was developing this platform on. Tezos and uh, I was really excited by this, right? Because it was just like a proper generative art platform on Tezos, my my sort of blockchain of choice. Mm -hmm. uh, so I expressed interest to him. I like reached out to him then and said I'd be really interested in 
in sort of beta testing this. Uh, so we, we chatted very briefly then. And then uh, later on, I saw Sam Sal uh, release Blobby yep. on FX Hash. And I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, oh, shit, I need to get on this right now. And I, I put a particular hash together sort of in the space of like six hours, I think. Oh, wow. and it was quick turnaround um because i was i was like i've got to move on this right now uh and then from there i just i i got onto the discord and i chatted with people and you know it was it was a tiny little discord at it, that time it was uh, yeah <laughs> yeah much. uh <laughs> and that's that's just how i sort of got involved i've i've always been involved in these online communities and i've always gravitated towards um you know that that role of helping and answering questions and and being useful on in those communities where i can so it it was kind of a natural fit really um especially getting into it at that sort of very um inceptual level yeah it was really amazing yeah. i mean mm -hmm. i brought this up to you earlier whenever um but like one of my first i mean we'd communicated via the discord a, a little bit and then you were dropping particulate hash too and I was on an airplane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was flying to Paris <laughs> and to get COVID. I flew there to get COVID. Um, and then, oh god, yeah, it was perfect. And so, and I wrote you, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh man, I, I, I would really like to get one of these particulate hash twos. And you were like, I got you. It's all good. <laughs> don't don't freak out. Because <laughs> at that time, it was a little bit. It was pretty hectic because people had just found it. Things were becoming a little bit more, you know, like competitive to get the kind of the things that we kind of wanted. And we really everybody was just minting everything. And, you know, we all kind of wanted a little piece of this sort of like vibe, this feeling, these interesting dopamine hits that we were all kind of coming across and then sharing afterwards. It was it was it was really magical. And, and the energy was really high and i and i i've held that memory of you sending me that particulate hash straight away in my head forever so i appreciate that thank you very much and it was very very nice of you absolutely no it was yeah thanks thanks yeah. for thanks for reminding me of that i i had totally kind of forgotten <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good memory for sure. For well, sure. it was. It was a nice one. And when I checked in on that Discord to get in touch with you again, I was like, "Wait, huh? I know we never really finished this conversation. Yeah. This just was here." Yeah, <laughs> but we we'd we'd, we'd conversed in the in general back then. This was pre PD. PD didn't come in until much later. But mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was a good good time good time period. Would you? consider like if you would you consider like the fx hash thing like a big part of your artist artistic kind of growth or was it all a lot of that earlier or do you i mean how do you feel like in terms of as, as an artist are you feeling like you're growing more now because you have access to all this stuff or yeah very much so um you know fx hash has been such a a big driving factor i think in my my artistic direction just because you know, it provides sort of this instant feedback loop, right? You can experiment with things and discover what works and what doesn't, and what people gravitate towards. And I, I think I'm less about producing things which are widely popular and more about really kind of honing what I consider to be my aesthetic now. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been it's been wonderful for that, right? Because all of a sudden. I have this platform that that allows me to play with ideas and to to um, 
you know, see see what works in that longer form. And that's that's a really important thing to me is to make sure that um, my sort of long form pieces are as long as they possibly can be mm-hmm. uh, and produce consistent results. I'm, I'm perhaps not as successful as that as I would like to be, but uh, that's always my sort of primary aim, really. Dude, euphonics. I mean, you can, just, you can drop the mic right there, you know? I mean, that right there, that proves that you can do that. You did a lot. Yeah. They were varied. They were wild. They're wild. They've got some really interesting color combinations of things. They're pretty fascinating. It's a pretty good, it's a really interesting piece. I remember when I minted it and I was showing my wife and she was just playing, just pulling it, just scrolling, and just like running it from side to side. Like, that's really cool how that does that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really fun. Thanks, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, somebody when when that minted, I, I don't remember off the top of my head who this was, but somebody sent me a, a video of uh, their their toddler um, playing with it on an iPad, just like whipping it with yeah. their fingers. It was it was a it was a trip for sure. Yeah, the fact that it responds yeah. so well on on everything is also kind of a testament to how good your coding is right so like because it's response yeah I appreciate you that. know is really it's it's really really incredible are you doing a lot when you help other artists are you using a lot of like are you minifying your i mean how do you do that how do you make it so that your code is so clean that you can run it on all these things so easily i mean my my background is in web development yeah. Um, so a very big part of web development, at least for me, is is making sure that it works on as many platforms as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 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 pretty well situated to to test those things and you know to to have a good sense of what might work and what might not on these different platforms because it's not you know it used to be just about different like web browsers but now it's about different platforms, different input methods, different responsiveness, different um, you know aspect ratios all of these things all at once um and it's not just about like exhaustively going through these things i think most web developers who have been doing it for a sufficient amount of time um develop a good sense uh of of those things Mm. i mean well i don't know i mean you've worked with some people who have some pretty extensive coding background you've come in and fixed it for them so, <laughs> I mean, and you're making stuff run. I mean, you make you make crazy like holons is nutty, right? I mean, and I saw those in the early, in the pre you fixing them. It's not like the aesthetics changed at all. How it reached it was really like the was the key shift there. And you're working with somebody like Robert, who's like, I mean, he's he's been doing this for a really long time, right? So. Robert, Robert is is a brilliant man, and and working with him was such a pleasure. Um, and it, it's funny you you say I came in and fixed that. I, I actually don't see it that way. Like I I helped for sure, and I I kind of I kind of uh, you know helped him along to to a solution to that. But uh, you know the work really was all his. Ah, uh, okay. I, maybe I misunderstood it because I was just reading, there was an email thread where it was like, they were saying without you, it wouldn't have gotten to this point. And so for me, that makes it feel like you, you fixed it, you know? For sure. I, and I mean, I, I did spend a long time working with Robert on it and we went back and forth a lot uh, on on getting that to the point that it, it got to. And I think, you know, that I love that series a lot. Like I think yeah, it's me one too. of my favorite, yeah. favorite pieces on, on the platform. Um yeah, so it was it was it was a very collaborative process for sure. It was it was great. Yeah, 
If you had to pick yeah. one favorite piece on the platform, what would it be? Ah, that's tough. Um, hmm. The my my sort of immediate go-to would probably be um, sequence by Heavy. Okay, I think that this is pretty incredible. Why? Um, you know, when I when when I spoke earlier about um, sort of being long form but consistent, uh, I think that piece sort of hits all of those marks for me. Okay. Um, yeah, there's there's so many to to pick, right? There are. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. I mean, I think when people yeah. ask me that question, I I generally define, <laughs> or or I try to sub or I try to subcategorize. You know, <laughs> say, oh, well, you know, right. my favorite moving pieces, my favorite static piece could be one of these for various reasons, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like any favorite question, my, my immediate desire in response to those questions is to, to list 10 pieces all at once, right? Well, do that. I mean, that's always like, okay. Okay. You, you know, go ahead. <laughs> go uh, I think Ethereal Microcosm is, is absolutely up there as well. God damn it. It's, right it's that's so beautiful i mean you've have you been seeing the twitter thread that i've been posting every day the evolution of the last month of it blowing in my in in the gallery here no oh yeah so like we've been i kept it on and it it crashed the browser yesterday after 26 days okay um it ran for amazing 20, yeah it ran for 26 days and so every day i would come down here and check in after day six I just started posting a picture every single day and making a, a full thread of that because nobody, as far as I know, nobody's ever really gone that far with it, you know? So <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's actually surprising that it lasted that long, right? So um, not to dive too deeply into this sort of technical conversation, but with WebGL, uh, if you've got any sort of like super large numbers, it will very quickly start to degrade. Mm. Um, so I think that's a testament to Sivert's sort of coding ability there because, you know, it's clearly optimized in such a way that allows it for, to run for that long. Yeah. And it's been amazing yeah. to see it change and turn into something completely different. And I actually, I think it probably would have continued to go if it had been on a machine that actually, I don't think it would have ever, I don't, I, I don't think it would stop. I think it just keeps going. It starts, it's crazy what it did. It just like built these like things shot in from one side and then from another side and then some loopy wormy things started happening. <laughs> and then there was a fight between this color and this color. It was wild, man. So let me let me ask. After having sort of, um, I guess, almost developed a relationship with this piece after such a long period of time of it running, right? Like you were you were very clearly going in there and seeing what it had done, yeah. Uh, maybe overnight or whatever. Uh, was it sad when it finally crashed? I was super bummed out. I was super bummed right. out. Right. I I had gone. I was working in the bar yesterday and before going into the bar, I stepped into the gallery, but I had left my phone and I mean, I'd already walked in the bar and done and taken some stuff and I left my phone in there. And then I came over to the gallery to get something. And when I walked in, I took a look at it and I was just like, ah, oh, I should have taken brought my pic, you know, taken a picture while I'm in here. I left, I went back to the bar. I made some cocktails for some people. And then when the closer came in for the bar, I said, I got to go back over to the gallery real fast to make a picture for the, for, for, for Twitter. And when I came in it had crashed and I just sat there just oh, like dumbfounded, gosh. just like, no, Deflated. <laughs> I was 100%. Super, totally. I was super sad. I mean, you know, uh, 
these things, they happen. It's, you know, I mean, I would love to say that I could keep it rolling for the next thousand years, you know, but Hey, yeah. it was, it was, it was going to go down in the next few days anyway. So, cause it goes, the yeah. show comes down on Sunday. So it just missed it by a few days, but I was really hoping to get like a full month's worth of like seeing how this particular thing evolved and turned into the next thing, you know, it would have been pretty radical, For sure. but yeah, it, it, it didn't. So we couldn't do it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever is what it is. It yeah. is what it is. The show here has been great. It was really interesting to have, uh, Leander Herzog come visit here last, uh, last week. Cause he came in and got to look at the ethereal microcosm. And for the first time he started noticing things and he was like, Whoa. So when these yellow particles hit this red stuff, it just blows them up. And I was like, yeah, that's what it does. He's like, it moves through them. The collisions are crazy. And then his brain, I just saw it going to go down this other path. So amazing. Um, enough about that piece. What's the next, another one. Give me another one of your favorites. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, you know, Bingo by Red Zane is is an obvious choice. I think it's one of the very, very early pieces. I think it's actually their first piece. Is that right? His first Bingo piece. Is their first, yeah. 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 It's his first piece on there. I mean, uh, he had pieces on him. Yeah. Did you have pieces on him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, a whole bunch. Were, um, they, were they generative in any way or were they curatorial from that? Uh... They were generated, so I, I I played around with with generative art on on Hicketnock using um, people's uh, address, so it would it would respond based on your uh, your wallet address. What does that mean? Explain. Uh, so basically, it would use your wallet address as so the viewer's wallet address as the the random seed that would would provide randomness to the piece. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and I, need, I need to go back and look at that. It's sort of the only way to accomplish that. So um, probably my favorite piece that I that I ever made on him was, um, you know, it was another plotter piece, and it was uh, it was just dealing with triangle triangle subdivision. It was super fun. Uh huh. Uh huh. Triangular yeah. subdivision. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, honestly, I love anything by Randa Nijov. I've probably butchered his name. Uh -huh. I, I've never, I've never known how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> Nyhoff, maybe. I don't know. That's how I've said Nyhoff, it. Every yeah. time I see it, I look Nyhoff. at it as Randa Nyhoff. But I have no probably Ooh. probably more sensible than my butchering for I, sure. I don't know anything about that person. Did you know that person previously? Oh yeah, yeah. So so Randa, uh, he is. He made Turtle Toy, if you know what that is. I don't. Um, Turtle Toy is um, God. It's a it's a generative art website. Look it up. It's it's amazing. Okay. Um, so he programmed that. He recently programmed a sort of generative music website, uh, which is super cool. I forget what that's called off the top of my head, but I'll find out. But uh, he is just a brilliant programmer. I've I've followed him for sort of ten years, I guess. Um, yeah, his work is is incredible. Probably my favorite of his, I think, is uh, the fractal cubes. Uh -huh, yeah, those um, are cool. I really, really love that piece. Yeah. Um, you know, he's done a lot of work in in ray tracing and ray marching. He's done a lot of work on uh, shader toy as well. Mm -hmm. uh, his his work there is super cool. Um, I also love natural selection of his. I think that's really cool too. But mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I I've never I don't really know much. I remember seeing the name quite often in the early in the early phases, and then they they haven't really released anything. He hasn't really released anything in 
since yeah in a while and i mean he helped on the 3d small scale he did he was the sort of the the programmer behind that and uh you know i know mark has a lot of respect for him as well yeah yeah i mean i kind of at one point i wasn't sure if it was just like another name for mark (laughs) 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 maybe maybe this is just mark and mark's mark's other other mark you know (laughs) alter ego yeah sure (laughs) yeah but no, that's cool. Yeah. So whenever you yeah. think of yourself, do you think of yourself as an artist or, uh, I mean, like whenever as a generative artist, or do you think of yourself as a creative coder? I think of myself as a creative coder, you know, um, I, back when I was younger and, and particularly working in this industry, uh, the, the imposter syndrome was very real for me Yeah, and I've, I've gotten over that in, in sort of my primary profession but it still definitely comes up when i when i think or try to think of myself as an artist um but yeah definitely more of a creative coder do you spend time looking at at art outside of the creative coding world yeah Yeah, absolutely so you go to you go to museums and and galleries and stuff yeah 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 definitely um and and kind of always have right my the family that i come from um produces a lot of a lot of artists oh okay um, so yeah the yeah. family that you come from so you mean like your siblings and or you mean like the long line of the ancestors? no my larger family no 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 so uh yeah my i've got a lot of cousins okay uh like a lot of cousins uh and <laughs> you know there are there are a lot of artists among their number uh so uh, yeah yeah do you th- do you think that um that their influence on you has been like obviously it's a positive but i mean has it been to the point where you think about their work when you're what what they're going to think of your work whenever you are making your work uh yes i you know i think when i think of of the cousins who i respect the most <laughs> um their work is so different uh you know they're very much in sort of that traditional space and so uh, i definitely sort of think of them uh when when i start to focus on aesthetics mm-hmm. um but i've always found the description of um generative art to to traditional artists to be quite difficult i don't know whether you've had that experience oh, as yeah. well but yeah right exactly it's 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 hard to to articulate like what this is right um so yeah all of that to say uh yes i do yeah because you want them to you know like for me too like i I, my mom is a painter my my brother one of my brothers is you know he's a creative type as well and i always think when i'm making stuff is my mom gonna like this is my brother gonna like this and then i and you know if 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 it checks either of those boxes then i ask about is my wife gonna like this you know because she also makes stuff (laughs) you know and so Uh uh, and those are kind of like those are like my barometers and i often wonder if like other people who have creative people in their lives you know think that way you know i mean is this does it check a box there um for, for that and is it important is another question you know i mean is it important that mm-hmm. they like it because i'm never really sure if it's actually important if they would or not but you know i i have no uh, I, I i'm a little bit i guess confused about why i do things most of the time uh, do oh you, yeah i'm i'm definitely that way as well yeah do you have like a connection yeah. to your collectors in some way or is it much more about like i'm just making the art and the people buy it um, I do. I mean, I, there, there are definitely collectors that, 
that gravitate towards my work and and i have i have a lot of respect for their opinions i i often reach out to them uh very tentatively to to sort of ask opinions on various things because you know the last thing i want to do is sort of um put the burden of of curation on on somebody who just likes my work but um yeah i very much respect their opinions and 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 they inform a lot of what i do i think they do. So if like, yeah, yeah, because this was something that's come up in the past as well, right? Like where when an artist is making something and they're thinking about like, okay, I want to put this into this particular market. Am I thinking about who my biggest collector is there? Or am I thinking about somebody who's interested in my work? Or, you know, this is the, the thing that comes into this. Does the concept of the market though overall does that affect you or is it just that specific group of collectors yeah i i don't i don't have a ton of respect for the market uh-huh in quotes uh-huh. uh but yeah the collectors absolutely because there are people in in that group who are you know so so passionate about this stuff that it's 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 difficult it's impossible for me not to uh take their opinions into consideration because I think it's that passion which is which really drives this creativity in me. Okay. So on a, on the next one then about that. So like let's say like a, a a big collector has come to you and has said to you, "Hey, I think it would be good if you did something like this and I think that you would make a lot of money from that." You know, I think that this would be the thing that would blow you out. But you're not 100% on the idea that you want to blow something out to a, to a market like that, like you just explained, but, and you're also not hundred percent behind what this collector wants. Would you do that for that collector specifically, or would you do it for, would you th- consider what they were talking about from the broader market sense? You know, like if you'd say, Oh, I could maybe make you a one of one of this, but I'm not going to, you know, release this on another, on a grander scale. How do you feel about that? Like how, do, how does that, does that, would that yeah, I mean, right? I, I, yeah, I think, probably to your your latter point it would if if i wasn't sort of feeling strongly about the idea then it it would probably be something more like a a one-of-one so like a commission i guess almost um but i absolutely love those collaborative opportunities particularly with like i love collaborative opportunities with other artists and particularly with other artists from from different fields um you know i i um worked with rose jackson way back and that was so much fun to sort of mash our two two aesthetics together um but the idea of collaborating with a non-artist with somebody who who has sort of more of a collector mindset i think is also incredibly attractive as well okay really why yeah um because it's 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 more of a curatorial relationship then right and that's not that's not something i i personally have a great deal of experience with um but i find that idea really fascinating and interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, i think because the opinions that artists bring to a piece are necessarily um creatively imposing Right? right, you're trying to sort of impose your will on a piece in a way that kind of fits together, and, and you're playing this sort of jigsaw game. Um, whereas with with a collector, with somebody in in with in more of a curatorial mindset, uh, 
it's it feels like a little bit more of a a negotiation a conversation i guess okay i mean yeah because this is also you know these are questions you know and this is just it's an interesting thing interesting way to look at it like i I don't know how i would feel like if someone came to me and said i think you could really blow this out if you you know like it's a Uh it's a strange it's a strange concept there you know i know a lot of people have come to me and said to me recently hey man your drawings are great i would really think that this would be this would work this way and some of that is i've already been thinking about but you know Mm -hmm. there are other things that are popping up in the last few days or last few weeks where i'm like yeah i don't know (laughs) and so this is more why i'm asking you because i'm interested in knowing your opinion as well on that because you collaborate with a lot of people already you know I don't really do that. So. I, th- I think with those opinions, it's the way that I approach that sort of stuff, you know, they're like, let's break it into two kind of groups. You've got those opinions of people uh, who you respect and the opinions themselves that you, you like and you feel are really strong and powerful, right? That's that's an easy, that's a no-brainer in my my opinion. But the the people that come to you with, with an opinion or an idea that you don't feel strongly about or that you immediately dislike. Um, I think the really interesting thing there is to dig into why that is their opinion, right? To say, okay, well, why do you think this would be, you know, strong? Why do you think this would be a good thing to do? Um, Because I think that decision-making process is, is a really important thing to explore, particularly as an artist, right? Because uh, at least for me, my decision-making process tends to be highly technical when it comes to uh, generative art. Um, I gravitate towards ideas that are technically interesting rather than necessarily aesthetically pleasing, and hopefully they eventually become something that looks good. Um, And so going, exploring somebody else's decision-making process, especially when they come from such a different place than me, uh, is really important, I think, mm-hmm. to me at least. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. I, when you, you, you just also brought something else up there that kind of fits in there. So when you view, when you're looking at this stuff, are you thinking tech, you just said technically over aesthetics and mo- is that always sort of like your, is that like a barometer for you at all times? Is it like a... It's you, less a barometer and more a, more a vector of approach, I guess. I, I come across an interesting algorithm and I play around with it a bit. Um, and I think this would be really interesting to explore something with. And so it develops and develops and becomes something else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rasiga was exactly that. It was it was an exploration of, as I mentioned before, like, um, you know, celestial body gravity algorithm. But, um, you know, these things can produce some interesting, some interesting outputs. And um, for me, the match is always sort of wrestling, wrestling that out of the algorithm. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah, I can understand yeah. that too. <laughs> like, like that's another question that I'm asking a lot: is do you go into a thing thinking I want to make that thing look like an elephant, and then you know you figure out a way to make it look like an elephant, um, or is it that you started screwing around and you're like, oh, that kind of looks like an elephant. And then you started to go down the path to make it look more like an elephant. You know what I mean? Do you have that? Is yeah. you know is that an approach that you take often, or is that like I mean, is this just it just depends on the case, or? Uh, no, hardly at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the only the only piece 
that I've had that I really had sort of a good idea of what I wanted outputs to look like at the very beginning of the process uh, was Euphonics. Okay. So you had a pretty good yeah. idea of what you wanted there. And that yeah. was to make it look kind of like sequence that moved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can exactly. see. Yeah. Once you said, once you said that that was your number one, I was like, I see that. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, that piece. So where they came from, I, uh, when I was a kid, I loved, um, sort of, there was a museum in Sydney and we used to get these, uh, sort of moi pattern books. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they'd just be like pages and pages of black and white stripes. And you had sort of this uh, other black and white stripe uh, plastic layer that you run over the top. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I played with those things for yeah. hours and hours when I was a kid. And so that's really where that kind of came sure. from. Yeah, Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's it. You know what? And that's where the fun comes in too. That's exactly like what you said. Kid playing around in an right. iPad. Like my wife's yeah. screwing around with it. She put, wow, it can go really fast. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's really cool. It's really fun. And you, you know, you yeah. succeeded on that. This latest project yeah. that you just put out, it also succeeds in being really far out. Like, like what's going on in that one? Cause that one, where, where was your head for that? Did you just come across that and say like, that's really cool and putting it out? Or was that another one that you had an idea previous to going into it? Uh, so that definitely came out of a previous idea. Um, so this is using a, an algorithm called raymarching, yeah. um, which is, is pretty common. Like, I think it's been used a lot on, on the site. Um, but this is sort of much more volumetric. Um, and it comes out of an idea that I had, I, I built something like this, like a few years ago, uh, just for, for pleasure. Um, and so it really grew out of that. And again, I kind of wanted a big edition size. I wanted um, a lot of variation, but a lot of, um, you know, uh, consistency between outputs. Um, again, I think looking at the outputs, I think I got probably about 90% of where I wanted to be with it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I think some of the outputs in that are just incredible. I really, I really enjoyed the process of, of that being minted for sure. Yeah. That was a really cool one. What, what, <laughs> like, um, I saw some that were just like, whoa, I mean, you know, and like at this moment in time where this sort of like meta as, as people talk about is like in that kind of weird, abstract, formless kind of way of creating that creates new sets of forms, et cetera. Like it's very timely of you to be releasing this, you know, in this, in this moment here, like where that happens. But I noticed that you burned down a bunch of them instead of just leaving it open. What was the, why, why did you do that? Uh, I, I think I got to this point with it where I was like, okay, well, this is, this is about as big as I think this can be. Mm. So I was like, okay, it's, it's, this is done. Okay. You know, unlike unlike um, Euphonic, I think uh, this got to a point where I was I was happy with the size, with the addition size, and with the variations within it. Okay. Um, and so I I decided to burn it down, and I decided uh, that you know it was it was it was as far as I wanted to take that particular how, idea. How like I mean, whenever you work with your stuff. Because some artists, you know, like, how do you determine where that is? Like, where's that end? I mean, how 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 big should I make this edition? Because you know, you literally could just make it forever, right? I mean, there's no reason to put a cap on for it for sure. The site things, but for sure. I mean, how do you make the call? 
Uh, it's very much a, a sense, uh-huh. right? I, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to articulate in a way that makes sense. Um, it really is just looking at it and thinking, okay, well, that's, that's the amount of variation that I want, right? Like, I think in my head, there is a model of the piece overall of, of, of all of the variations that I've seen to a point. And when that model makes sense, I think that's, that's it. And do you stare at them? Like, do you, do you iterate a ton before you release? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I do. Um, One of the interesting parts about that though, is I always find the, before I release, I will create like 2000 outputs. I'll just let it, like let it run over a few hours and and generate outputs. Um, but what what I find really fascinating about that process is I feel very very differently about the piece at that point than I do once it's actually out in the public and being minted. Um, and it's not that anything has changed necessarily in the algorithm because at that point not much does. Uh, it is. I don't know. It's more about what it's actually producing rather than sort of this, this initial randomness. It's, it's, again, it's hard to articulate exactly what that means, but uh, yeah, you tried. It feels different. (laughs) It feels different. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think like one of the things I, I see sometimes is that people either overestimate or underestimate. And I know that this is all just a big learning process and everybody's basically just kind of experimenting anyway. I mean, we don't really know precisely what's anything, right? Um, And sometimes like people overvalue specific concepts um, in their work that other people don't, you know, and these kinds of things become, you know, uh, it's all like subjective in these, in these ways. I think a lot of it is because we're in such an early phase of how we can handle this, you know, like on how does the market build around it? What am I going to be doing? Is this a hobby or is this my job? You know, these kinds of, there's a lot of questions that a lot of people are, you know, answering in different manners that sometimes this is fun to ask everybody because you don't consider yourself like you're not doing this. You wouldn't do this as a job, you know, whereas like Roxanne, he's doing this as a job, you know, this is his job now. And so for him to make a decision to release a small series thing like Garabatros or a bigger series like Bingo or whatever, these are like, you know, these are actual decisions that are going to affect his market, you know, moving forward, ostensibly, um, you know, like that this is possibly what it's going to do. So when uh-huh. you coming at this from a different place, you're looking at it purely like, I'm just kind of done seeing it, you know, <laughs> is that like, that's kind of what I'm grabbing there, huh? Or, uh, yeah, I think it's tough when you put it that way. It sounds, it sounds, <laughs> it doesn't sound quite as, as, uh, Good as I, I had hoped. Oh, I don't I'm know, sorry, I didn't try to. I thought what you gave. No, 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 right no, 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 no. Sorry, I, yeah, it's no, but you're right. You're you're absolutely right. I think you know, I I can approach this with a little bit more laissez-faire than somebody like Rodzain, mm-hmm. who has uh, to would, kind of because yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. That's it yeah. um, they have to consider things much more deeply than I than I do because for me this is a hobby and for them it's sort of their their life's work. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause there, you know, yeah, there's a few things that like, that are, that are always kind of going through like how to, what's a release tempo, you know, like mm-hmm. for some people, the release tempo is when I finished it, you know, when I think yeah. it's done. And for other people, it's like, 
man, I've got three projects that I've already finished and I don't want to release them all at once. I have to think about this over time. I have to think about who the market is and what this is about. I mean, do you, you don't think about release tempo, do you? Or do you, nah, you just, when you're done. No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I certainly don't want to release very often, but that's about as far as that goes as my consideration that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I can understand how that works. Yeah, I kind of like, <clears throat> even though I'm in a different place about how I release stuff, I have to think about that release tempo myself. Like, can I get it done? Will it make sense to put out another piece so close to having put one out? You know, the new, I, I don't really have new work when I put it out. It's mostly like older stuff that I'm <laughs> releasing on the blockchain and being able to pro verifiably prove that someone bought that thing. Um, For sure. <laughs> which is kind of it. So what's the rest yeah. of your day look like? Something good? Uh, unfortunately not. Uh, this this time of year for me, so the company that I work for, it works in the entertainment industry. And so uh, this time of year is pretty crazy. Mm. Uh, so I've got back-to-back -back meetings now for about the next four hours. Oh, fun. fun. Man. Yeah, right. I wish I could trade shoes with you and have your day. Gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to go have dinner. Um, yeah, but anyway, nice. yeah, it's a nice one. Yeah, hey, cool. this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has uh, been a really wonderful experience talking to you. It's nice to actually be able to put the face and have this kind of communication. So I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank good. you so much for having me. I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, to everybody listening, thank you very much. This has been Arbitrarily Deterministic, the final one of season two. Um, and I'll be back. I'm going to go away for a while. I got to travel and go visit my family and do some other stuff. And so I'll probably have to kind of not do an episode until maybe in February again. Perhaps I might sneak one in in January, specifically whenever, you know, who knows if there's somebody that's going to be in town and I happen to be in town as well. And maybe we have some big news that we want to pop out and I doubt that that's going to happen, but it could, you never know. could also be, you know, some other major thing that occurs. Anyway, if you've enjoyed listening... We have a nice yellow donate button right there on KeithFM.com. You can hit that and throw some money at us via the PayPal. And Ozzy, about six months ago, don't, very generously donated me. I don't like podcasts.tez. And if you want to donate either Tez or tokens, we take both there to that thing. And, you know, and, and we really appreciate all of the help. This radio station runs completely 100% on donations and we have no other funding. So anything that you can do is great. Hey, Liam, thanks a lot. One more time. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, have a, have a great day, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. You too. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, y'all.